welcome each one of you here today, and uh, hope you will enjoy everything. I, I, I thought this today they did a real good job on their selection of songs. You know, Monday we will be separate, celebrating the 4th of July, and uh, we're celebrating that as our Independence Day, you know. We had a little battle had to go on with England, but we, we made it. And uh, on 4th of July, 1776, America was born a nation. We became a free nation. And we became a free nation when they started claiming the Word of God in their Constitution. And now, on July the 4th, 2022, 246 years later, America needs to be born again. We need to come back to God. We need to establish a one nation under God one more time. And uh, in God's Word, He tells us what we must do to get back to Him. And we've heard this many times, but I don't think we really pay attention to it. Here, in 2 Chronicles 7.14. Now this is God speaking to Solomon. But it goes for us too. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves. Why do we have such a problem humbling ourselves? We have become an arrogant nation. We need to humble ourselves, humble get on our knees and on our face before Almighty God in heaven. That's what God's looking at. And he said, and pray and seek my face and turn from your wicked ways. Then, when we do all these things, he says, then I will hear from heaven. Or he's saying, I will, I'm on my throne in heaven. And when you do these things, I will hear you from my throne in heaven. And I will forgive your sins, and I will heal your land. America needs to be healed again. At one time, we were a very strong and powerful nation. We still are. But with what we've got going on up in Washington right now, America is becoming a laughing matter. We need to pray and pray hard, just like what God told the Israelites they were going to have to do if they wanted him back in their lives. Humble themselves, pray, seek his face, turn from our wicked ways. He says, then I'll hear from you. He said, and I will heal your land, and I'll forgive your sins. We have become a simple nation. Many of us still love the Lord God. We're here today expressing our love to Him, standing before Him. I hope you're here with humble hearts. I hope you're here seeking God. If you have never accepted God, I'll tell you what, today would be a good opportunity to do it. We never know when that day is going to come, that we will be here no more. We're simply waiting to hear the sound of the trumpet. And I think that's getting pretty close. 
And one of the songs we sung was talking about God's grace. The title of my message today is God's Amazing Grace. You know, God's grace is pretty amazing. If you just stop and think about all that God has done, and it's all through His grace. You know, I don't know of any day I've ever got up, got out of bed, left the house, or done anything that I did not need God's grace in my life. It seems like daily, when I'm out about doing different things, I run into situations. If it wasn't for God's grace, I don't know what I'd do. But God's grace is there. It's available. And all we have to do is believe in God, believe in His Son, accept His Word, and God says, I will pour my grace out upon you. How many of you would like to have God's grace poured out on you? I don't mean a little drip. I mean poured out. Well, that's what God wants to do. He wants to pour His grace out on us. He wants us to be that nation that we once was. A nation full of God, full of His love, full of respect. God wants that back. And I think most of the people want it back. The godly people. The people that's had an experience. The people that know God. The people that, that where God has been in their life, where He has touched them, where He has healed their bodies. He has done so much for them that they just, they cannot help but just love Him with all their heart. You know, when I get into God's Word and start reading, there's been times I've sat there and I have to just stop. And I get my Kleenex. My eyes are cheering up from God's grace, from His love, and for all that He's done. And we don't stop and realize what a lucky nation we are. We don't. We've had it so good for so long. It's hard for us to believe that, that, that what's happening in our nation is happening. But it is. But you know, God is not through yet. God chose us, just like He chose Israel. And God's got a plan. I'm waiting to see what that plan is. I want to be part of it. I want to be part of God's plan. You know, God's grace is so great and so wonderful that we don't really stop and think about how wonderful God's grace is. We know that the Bible tells us that we are saved and saved by God's grace. It's not anything that we do. Listen to what it says here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5 through 8. I mean, excuse me, 8 through 9. I got ahead of myself here. It says, For by grace you are saved through faith. Through your faith in God, through your faith in Jesus Christ, you are saved. And not of yourself. You didn't do anything except believe and trust God. God, Jesus Christ did all the hard work on the cross. You didn't have to go there. He took your place because of God's grace and because of God's love. It is the gift of God, His grace. He showered it. He poured it out for us. His grace. And it's not of our works so that we cannot boast. We can't go say, oh, look what I did. Look at me. No. God and God only. God and God only because of his love and his mercy upon us. You know, and what some of us may not realize is that we also 
live by God's grace, or should be. And uh, Paul tells us in Romans 5, in chapter, in chapter 5, verse 2, says, By whom also we have access by faith into his grace where we stand. It's our faith that brings us into the presence of God and his grace. And it says, And rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Can you imagine what it's going to be like that first day that you step foot into heaven and you look and you all you're going to say is just glory, glory, glory. I don't even know if we'll be able to stand before God. I think we're going to be on our faces before Him. I don't think we're going to be able to look upon His face. It's going to be so bright, so powerful. That's God's glory. You remember when Moses saw, saw God on the mountain? He came back. Moses had to wear a veil. He was in the presence of God, and God's glory was so strong and so powerful, it got all over Moses. When Moses come back, the people couldn't even look at him. They couldn't even, it hurt their eyes. God's glory was upon Moses. Moses had to wear a veil to shed, to shield the glory so that he could talk and he could visit with the people. I'm just wondering. But once you get used to that glory, once you get used to that brightness, I just I can just imagine what heaven is going to be like. Can you imagine? They sung a song, I think I think uh, Jesus sung a song here the other day. How beautiful heaven must be. It is going to be. We, we can, it's just like when Paul went to heaven. He come back, he couldn't even talk about it. I think heaven was so beautiful, so magnificent, so powerful that Paul didn't know how to explain it. He had never seen anything here that would even compare to heaven. What was he going to compare it to? One thing he could do, I think, was just probably cry and look around. I don't think Paul wanted to come back. I think he wanted to stay right where he was. But God said, no, Paul, I've got some things you need to do. And we know how powerful Paul was in his preaching and his service of God. But Paul, come back, he couldn't talk about it. Can you imagine what heaven must be like? I mean, God created, he created for us, one day we're going to be there. Can you imagine what your home is going to look like in heaven? Your mansion? What it's going to be? I think it's everything you could imagine and more. I know that at, at funerals and things, you use that a lot. But you know, when we're talking about that over in John 14, it's, it's talking really about the rapture. Jesus said, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and, and take you to where I am also. That's what he's going to do in the rapture. He's coming to take us home, the church, the Christians. That's what he was telling disciples. You believe in God, you also believe in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. 
But I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you that you may be where I am also. When I do that at a service, I can only imagine, because I won't say that about somebody unless I know they're there. I think a non-Christian funeral has to be one of the hardest funerals there is to do. Because if they know Jesus Christ, hey, it's beautiful. It's glorious. It ought to be a celebration. It shouldn't be a time of sadness. But a celebration. I'm home. You know, like that song, this earth is not our home. We're just pilgrims coming through here. It's temporary. It's temporary. But one day, one day, and many of you in here have got people there that are there right now. And you're saying that you're going to see them. It's going to be a reunion like you have never imagined. And there's no saying goodbye. There's no parting. It's for, it's for all eternity. You know, it says that, that, that we live by faith. How many of us really actually live by faith? Just, how many of us live by faith? How many of us live by what God's Word says? Not many of us. And God's being just as plain as He can be about what He's saying. He's not hiding anything. He's telling us how it is. Here in, in, in Romans, it said... Uh, by whom we also have access by faith into his grace, wherein we stand. What is he saying, wherein we stand? That word in which we stand means to be established and unmovable. When we get in God's word, that will be established in our heart, and there's nobody going to move us away from God's word. We live by that word. That word is on the inside of us. And that word should be a living, growing word. It grows and it grows and it gets more powerful. The grace of God will always be the foundation of the Christian life in which we believe and stand on. God's grace. You know, Paul also goes on to tell us in 1 Corinthians 5.15. Paul is saying something. Now this is Paul speaking. He said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. That's all of us. By God's grace and our faith in God, we are what we are because of God's grace. Which was bestowed upon me and was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. You know, Paul went through a lot. Paul spent more time in prison writing his letters. Paul wrote, nearly all of his letters were wrote in prison. He was telling us about God's love, about God's mercy, God's grace, what God wants to do in our life. He was telling us about the goodness of God. And Paul was doing that even after all the things that Paul had been through. But God, but Paul knew God. He knew what God was doing. 
was for, was for God's glory. And, and Paul said, I will labor and it will not be in vain to do what God wants me to do for his glory that one day I may also be with him. How many of us are working and doing what God has called you to do? Most people say, well, I don't know if God's called me. Yes, he has. God has called each one of us to do something in his life, to glorify God. You know, here the other night I was talking, and I told y'all something. Well, a few of you were here. But each one of you have a testimony. What God has done in your life that turns you to God. That is what you ought to be sharing with people. Every chance you get, say, let me tell you what God did for me. Let me tell you how God has blessed me. Let me tell you how God has healed me. Let me tell you how God has poured his blessings out on me. Let me tell you how God brought me through this situation. I didn't think there was no way. But God will make a way where there is no way. And I've known a lot of people in here that that's the only way you got through it. Because God made a way that you didn't see a way. Put your faith and your trust in God's grace and let that just cover you. You know, many people believe that Paul was probably one of the greatest Christians that ever lived because of his faith and his love for God. And if he was, it was only because of God's grace in Paul's life. Each one of us can have that grace. We, God wants to pour out and shower us with his grace, with his goodness, with his love, with his mercy. He wants to give that to each one of us. And all we have to do is say, yes, God, I want to receive it from you. I believe in you. I believe in your son, Jesus Christ. I believe your son died on that cross. Yes, Lord, I know he died, but I also believe he rose that third day. Lord, I believe. You say, if I believe, I am bound for heaven. You are bound. You know, Paul would have not been able to do anything at all for God if it hadn't been for God's grace on him. None of us can do anything for God unless we have his grace on us. When we feel that grace of God, you want to do things for God. You want to do things to glorify God. You want to tell somebody about God. You want to tell somebody what God just did for you. Many people say, well, it's so hard for me to witness to anybody. Why? What are they going to do? Say, I'm not interested. I don't want to hear it. If they don't want to hear it, say, well, maybe at another time. But at least give it a shot. Because you don't know what God's doing in that person's life. God may have put you there, but if you don't say something, you may not get to witness to nobody. I've had the opportunities to witness to people, to talk to them. And it wasn't, I didn't go there with that intention. But God opened doors. He made way where I saw no way. And the thing about it is, all the people that I talked to, they instigated it. They started asking questions. I love it when they do that. I love it when they ask me something. And if, I'll just be honest with them. If there's something they ask me that I don't know right off, I said, listen, 
I don't know that answer right now, but if you'll give me a few minutes, I'll find it and I'll get back to you. I'll go get my Bible. I may be there somewhere where I don't have my Bible. And I have called people on their phone and said, hey, you know that question you asked me a while ago? I've got your answer. I've got your answer. Never, ever, when you have the opportunity to witness to somebody, to tell them, God, take it. That may be God's way of trying to save that person. And if you don't witness, you may have a part in sending them to hell. Like I say, they're not going to beat you up or anything like that if you, if you witness to them. So when you get that opportunity, you tell them something about God. As many people say, well, what is, I've heard it and I've heard it, but what is God's grace? What is grace? Grace is said to be the unmerited favor of God. The unmerited favor. Something that you didn't have to work for. Something that you didn't do yourself. It's something that God poured out on you because of his love. Matter of fact, in the Strong's Concordance it says, Grace is a merciful kindness by which God loves us and embraces us and something which we did not earn. Can you imagine a love like that? A father like God? Grace is God's gift to us because of his love and his mercy. You know, God's grace is what draws us to Christ, it's what keeps us in Christ, and it's what, it's what makes us more like Christ. That's his grace. And we don't think about it. We don't think about what, what God does in our life. And as I was writing this, we were talking about amazing grace, I got to thinking about it. And I started to ask Karen if she would do this song. It's amazing grace. That has to be one of the most beautiful songs in the hymnal I think there is. It's got such a message. Uh, this hymn we sang, that's called Amazing Grace, is probably one of the most popular and sung Christian hymns there ever, ever was. As I read that, I saw something I'd never seen before, and I'd never heard it before. But it said that the hymn Amazing Grace is called the John 3.16 of hymns. It's called the John 3.16 of hymns. John 3.16 is probably one of the most quoted and looked at verses in the Bible. Amazing Grace is probably one of the most popular and the most sung hymns. It's got such a message to it. Uh, the man that wrote that, this Amazing Grace was named John Newton. He wrote this. Now, John Newton did have a good, easy life. I mean, he did, this didn't just fall upon John Newton. John Newton became a sea captain of a slave ship. He dealt in slaves, capturing and selling slaves. Well, how could God use him? How could God use any of us? If he could use John Newton, he could use you, me, and everybody else. John Newton was a hard, cruel man when he started out. But God got to John Newton. I'm going to tell you in a minute how he did it. But... Uh, 
John Newton wrote this hymn, and and then he kind of expressed some things here of what this hymn meant to him and how he come about writing it. Maybe some of y'all have had experiences in your life where God has done something, just like John Newton here. He said, I want to tell the world. I want them to know what God has done for me. Well, that's how this hymn kind of originated. It was God's grace that led John Newton to write this hymn. And that's what we need to do to invite God to let his grace just empower us to do things for him. John Newton wrote these words to thank God for forgiving him of his sins and coming into his life. He started out, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I was once lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. You know, we look at that word, and this describes John Newton to a T, a wretch. What is a wretch? I've heard it called everything in the world. Witches, riches, like you'd work on a car. Wretched. You know what wretched means? Someone who is miserable, someone who is unhappy, sad, brokenhearted, and stricken with grief in their life. John Newton was every one of these. Every one of them. But when God sees somebody that he can use, look at Paul. Look how he used Paul. Paul, when he started out, was totally against the Christian people. He threw them in jail. He had them killed. Matter of fact, Stephen, whenever they were stoning Stephen, Paul was there. Paul was holding their coats while they stoned Stephen. That's how Paul's life started out. But he was faithful. He was faithful to the Roman government. He would do anything he had to to please the Roman government. I think God saw that. This is a man that is so dedicated to what he does. I can use that man. I can change him. Can God change people? Yes, he can. He changed me. Didn't he, hun? Okay. Yeah. I was once in the world. The world was my home. I worked for Cures Cures Beer Company for 15 years. I was in all the joints, strip joints, everything. Then I worked for a vending company. I serviced pool tables and jukeboxes and all that. I was in the same environment. But during this time, I worked for this vending company. God touched me. I'd walk into some of these joints I'd have my head down. I didn't want to see what was going on. I wanted to get in there and get out of there. I got out one day to my truck and I was sitting in there and I started praying. God, I don't think that you want me in this type of business. I don't think you want me in this type of environment. 
Lord, show me what you want from me. About three or four days later, something like that, I went to work. Boss calls me into his office. I was the last one they hired. He said, Bill, you've been a good help. You've been a good help. And I hate that to do this, but I'm going to have to let, let you go. I've got to cut back. Before I knew it, he said, I'm going to have to let you go. I don't know where it come from. Well, I do. But I lifted my hand. I said, praise God. They looked at me like, what is wrong with him? I left there not disappointed, not mad because I didn't have that job. I walked out of there, thank you, Lord Jesus, thank you. Which worked for an oxygen company. I was going into people's homes that had to have oxygen to live. I'd set them up, take that oxygen in there, get them all set up on it. And I got to meet some of the most wonderful people. I got to pray with them, talk to them about Jesus. I had a captive audience. They couldn't go nowhere. And I don't know how many funerals I did for those people. I'd come here, and, and, and you know, I know some of them. I knew when I started they didn't have long to last. And it hurt because I fell in love with them. But them people said, when, when my time comes, I want Bill to do my service. I want him to do it. They try to pay me. But no way. No way. But I got to meet some of the greatest people, witness to them. I even saw some of the people get healed that was on that auction for a long time. But I pray with them. Lay hands on them. I, I carried my own anointing oil in my pocket. Pray for them. I had people that got off of oxygen and never had to have it again. See, that's what God does when you let him do it. I had things happen that I didn't know was going to happen. I run into people out there I didn't know I was going to run into. But God put them there. It's just like when I walked in there, I walked into one place one day, and it was just like this feeling. Bill, have I got a surprise for you? Oh, really? I got to witness to a man that did not believe in God, had never accepted God, didn't want no part of God. And when I left there that day, he had accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. See, I was not expecting that. I was not expecting it. But I obeyed God. And that's what we all got to do. When God says something to you, pay attention, listen, and obey God. It's kind of like what Mary told the disciples at the wedding. She sent those, those servants out there to, to, to get the water. What did she tell them servants when they went out there? She said, do whatever he tells you to do. Talking about Jesus. I think that's a good point today. Do what he tells you to do. Do what he tells you to do. You know, only by God's grace was John Newton's sins forgiven and he got saved. For John Newton truly was a wretched man. His, his mother prayed for him and prayed for him.
And it said that when, when John Newton saw his mother and told her, just kind of paraphrasing, hey, Mom, guess what happened? I accepted God. She said that she started crying. She was laughing. She began to dance in the spirit all around. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you have done in my son's life. She says, now I can go home a happy, happy mama. John Newton was a very wretched man, but God gave him that song for us to inspire us to make us see Jesus in a whole different way. You know, Paul tells us our salvation is based entirely upon the love, the mercy, and the grace of God. That's how much God loves you. John Newton also saw God's grace as what sustained him. John Newton went through a lot of things and got him through all his storms that took place in his life. John Newton had a lot of things happen to him. Matter of fact, this, this verse right here says, Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. I know for a fact you've been there. I know some of you, you've already been there. You've been through the dangers. You've been through the toils. You've been through the snares. But look where you're at today. You're in the house of God. God's not through with you. He is not through with you. It says, His grace has brought me safe thus far. By His grace, He has kept me safe. His hand has been on me. And His grace will lead me home. Do y'all realize it's going to be God's grace that gets you into heaven? God's grace is going to get you into heaven. Paul experienced many storms in his life. He knew what hardships were. But all his faith was always in God. He never quit trusting God. Paul experienced, he had one storm that come up, up in his life. It said that, that God gave Paul a thorn in the flesh. And Paul very earnestly prayed to God that God would remove that thorn. But instead of removing that thorn from his life, the Lord gave him the grace and the strength to endure it. Look at what Paul said about this thorn in the flesh. Maybe sometimes when we're going through some things, maybe we ought to stop and look at what Paul thought about it when he was going through these hardships. Here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 and 9, Paul is talking about this thorn. He says, For this thing, the thorn in the flesh, besought... I besought the Lord three times. In other words, he said, I come before the Lord three times asking him to remove this. And he did not do it. He said, and the Lord said unto me, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you to go through whatever you have to go through. For my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. It wasn't God's weakness. It was our weakness. Our weakness. When we see God's work, what he does in our life. Then Paul says, Most gladly, therefore, I would rather glory in my infirmities or my weaknesses that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul's faith in God 
overcame his weakness. God's grace can overcome our weakness. When we're going through things, it's just like it says, God didn't remove the Red Sea. He just parted it. They still had to go through it. But God parted it for them. He didn't remove it. A lot of things we'll go through, God won't remove it, but he'll open it up so it's not easy for us to go through. We go through certain situations. But I'll guarantee you, when you go through it, you can give God the glory. You can tell somebody what you went through and say, it was only by the grace of God that I went through that. I know where my strength is, and my strength is in God. You know, and it... uh, So whatever may come against us in this life, God's grace will always be sufficient to get us through it. I've got through. It says, John Newton knew and believed in his heart God's grace would see him home someday. Listen to to this verse here. It says, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Eternity, there is no time. There is no time to eternity. It goes on and on. You never lose a moment. You never lose a moment. You've got from now on and on, you can keep going to sing praises unto God. You're going to be there forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. You're not going to lose any time be in the presence of God. We're not going to lose any time at all. John Newton was talking about being in heaven. He said, Lord, I've gone through a lot. I'm ready to go home. I'm ready to go home. He knew what God's grace was. I hope we realize what grace was. John Newton believed that it was God's grace that saves us that sustains us and sees us to our eternal home in heaven. God has never left. What did he say? I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will always be there and walking with you. And this scripture right here verifies what John Newton believed. In 1 Peter 1.13, it says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. Be alert. Pay attention and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's when you get to know Jesus, about Him, who He is, what He's about, and then you receive Him as your Lord and Savior. That is when your whole life changes. You'll never be that same person that you used to be. Never. God says no man can snatch you out of my hand. No man. When you accept Jesus Christ, God's got a firm grip. He's got a firm grip. You're saved. There's going to be a lot of people in a lot of situations going to try to take you away from God. You stay strong in God, God's going to hold on to you, and they cannot strip you out of God's hand. 
Just remember, God's grace is so great and so wonderful. Just get it down inside of you how much He loves you and how much He wants you in heaven with Him. It makes it a lot easier going through this life when you know you've got somebody like God walking with you. You're never by yourself. You're never alone. You'll never get into a situation that God's grace is be sufficient. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe today in your heart that it's God's grace that will get you home? If you do, congratulations. Congratulations. Because God is living on the inside of you. When you believe in Jesus Christ, that day you said yes to Jesus Christ and Father, forgive me. That day, said, Father, I have sinned. Forgive me. I, Father, I know I've done wrong. Forgive me. Father said, you're forgiven. And he sent his precious Holy Spirit to live on the inside of you. People say, what is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the very Spirit of God himself. God is living on the inside of you. Let Him control your life. Listen to Him. Obey Him. And see how your life will change. Most people, now the devil's going to come against you. He's going to lie. You know, I did a deal the other day. Why was Satan called the father of lies? Satan was the first one to ever lie. He did that in the garden. He was the father of lies. Satan cannot tell the truth. Matter of fact, when Jesus was talking, he said, for Satan, the devil, he is the father of all lies, and the truth is not in him. He, he told the Sadducees and the Pharisees and all their mothers, and you are of your father, the devil. Trust in God, believe in God. In other words, trust in God with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding and acknowledge Him in all ways, and He'll direct your paths. Psalms 3, 5, and 6, in case you didn't know. God has given us His word and given us His promise. He says, Believe upon my word, do what I tell you, and I'll never leave you. If you're here today, Maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I'd like to give you that chance. I'm going to ask the band to come up. We're going to have to play a hymn, an invitational. After that, we're going to serve communion. I do communion on the first Sunday of every month. I don't ever want us to forget what Jesus Christ did for us. That's what we're doing today. We're giving Jesus Christ thanks for what he did on that cross. We're paying him honor. We're giving him thanks for dying for our sins. So if you're here today, and maybe you just need a prayer, maybe you'd like to have a prayer, maybe you'd like to have somebody pray with you, I'll be down front. I'll be glad to pray with you, stand in agreement with you with whatever you need God to do. So as the band plays, if you need to come to the altar, please. 
Utah. 